this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. You're listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hello. Thank you for watching the Mindstream Players. It's an exciting new venture. Uh, I'm happy to be producing with my friend Curtis Bedford. Hi, and I am excited that I'm working with Tom Conkle. Um, Basically, this came about because of the the pandemic and uh we as actors uh we wanted to create stuff uh but we're all stuck at home and so i've always been a big fan of uh, silent radio and yeah uh, silent radio really not not silent radio (laughs) uh i've always been a big big fan of silent i'm a big fan of silent you turn it off and i can watch that thing for hours for hours yeah uh no i've always been a big fan of old-time radio shows and, which is, and so immediately I was like, I, I'm going to call Tom with this idea because back when Tom and I met, which was 1992, uh, I, I, I uh, answered an ad that Tom had placed in a newspaper. And that tells you how, uh, how long ago this was. <laughs> in the old timey time. Looking yeah. for people that were fans of old radio that wanted to start writing uh, That's right. n- new stuff. And now here we are. Uh, 30 some odd years later and <laughs> finally oh, no. doing it. Yeah. I guess that'd be better late than never years later. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first episode that we chose, uh, when we, when yeah. you talk about silent or silent, why do I keep on saying that? When you talk <laughs> about radio theater, right. Everyone always at, brings up the shadow, the shadow, one of my favorites and, uh, we did this, with the shadow murders and wax was the thing that you and I decided we wanted to do it was originally aired uh may 15th in 1938 yeah it, it was uh so it's funny because when people think of the shadow they think that it was uh this huge juggernaut and it actually it was it was this really well-liked show but it wasn't anywhere near i mean the shadow only had 677 episodes That's when right. you but when you look at other shows like amos and andy that had over 4,000, it, it didn't yeah. you know it, it wasn't it, this enormous show <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, it's sort of prototypical, even Batman. It was almost trying out, you know, with dealing with a commissioner, uh, having him uh, uh, be this sort of of foppish character uh, that Orson Welles played. I think uh, this was the 34th episode, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it was the the 30th. So this was actually the, it was first, it was season 1B. They did a season one, and then they did a summer series uh, um, and so this was, and the summer series was the season one B. So this right. was in season one B and, uh, Orson only did, uh, the first 52 episodes after that. That's right. The, 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 the was, was originally played by Orson Welles. Yeah. And then it was uh, passed on to, to other actors. That's correct. So, uh, interesting about uh, Margot Lane, the original actress from that was, her name was Margot Stevenson, correct? Yeah. Well, actually no, uh, season one had a different actress. Uh, Agnes Moorhead, and then mm-hmm. season one B had Margot. Uh, was it? I 
Margot Stevenson? Margot Stevenson. Yeah. And then it went back to Agnes. And then it went to a bunch of different people. And yeah. it's, it's interesting because That's right. this is something that Margot was sort of known for, but was just this one group of, uh, of episodes. And, and she only died, you know, in 2011. So yeah. she was 98 years old. Yeah. And she, she died not that long ago. And so when That's you right. think that this was done in 1938... It's amazing. I've wanted to do The Shadow forever. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Orson Welles in general, and he was 23 when this uh, was originally broadcast. Which and he is was gonna, insane. Yeah. War of the Worlds was only five months later than uh, the episode you're about to listen to, and three years before Citizen Kane. I wasn't and, even dressing myself at 23. Yeah. <laughs> I was able to barely feed and clothe myself. Um, and the, the other interesting thing, you know, uh, uh, about doing this is he would go in a car from one radio uh, broadcast to another. He played multiple characters and didn't have time to rehearse it. He actually contractually said, I don't, I don't want to have to read it. Uh, often these really good performances were complete cold reads. Uh, and for those of you that aren't actors, a cold read is where you're literally handed a script and you feel your way through the script. You're reading it without having reviewed the lines, without even knowing where the story is going. But he was so good at breaking down story, knowing where it was, that he would get the gist of it, run with it, and then move to the next radio show and do that. So we want to present this, The, the Shadow Murders in Wax, as both our tribute to pulp radio, to the exciting times uh, uh, created in the theater of the mind, which is where the mindstream players came from, uh, and we have this terrific group of actors. So please, uh, Curtis and I would really like for the experience of theater and the experience of radio uh, to come alive for you streaming here in this presentation. And keep in mind that we haven't changed this, changed this script at all. So this was uh, as it was performed, uh, as it was written back 1938. 80, 80 years ago. Yeah. So That's right. It's a little uh, time capsule that can live again. Thank you for watching. Enjoy. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> <laughs> Your local Blue Coal dealer presents The Shadow. These half-hour dramatizations are designed to forcibly demonstrate to old and young alike that crime does not pay. Before The Shadow's adventure begins, here's advice everyone will profit by following. If you want to save yourself time, trouble, and money this winter, be sure to insist on Blue Coal when you order anthracite. The blue coloring on Blue Coal is the trademark of superior quality. It's your guarantee from the world's largest anthracite producer, the Glen Alden Coal Company, that blue coal will give you better heat at less cost. So don't gamble with ordinary anthracites. Play safe by insisting on blue coal by name. Call your blue coal dealer for your supply tomorrow. The 
the shadow, Lamont Cranston, a man of wealth, a student of science, and a master of other people's minds, devotes his life to righting wrongs, protecting the innocent, and punishing the guilty. Using advanced methods that may ultimately become available to all law enforcement agencies, Cranston is known to the underworld as the shadow, never seen, only heard, as haunting to superstitious minds as a ghost, as inevitable as a guilty conscience. The Shadow's true identity is known only to his constant friend and aide, Margot Lane. Today's story, Murders in Wax. Ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to step inside and view the illuminating and educational exhibits that are the features of our waxworks. They're actually slaying his eight wives. See Custer's Last Stand. See the capture of George Keegan, public enemy number one. Hey, that's what I'm going to see. And many other thrilling, lifelike tableaus. The price of admission is only one dime, 10 cents. Our lecture is just starting. If you hurry, 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 you'll be just in time to witness the complete show on the inside. Step right up now. Hey, how many, brother? Uh, two, please. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll just step over here to the next platform, I shall describe to you the details of the featured tableau of our exhibits. Say, they look like real people, don't they? Yeah, how did they make them? With wax. Jeez. This tableau is a dramatic reenactment of the capture of George Keegan, the notorious gang chief of Prohibition Days. Oh, it's like a... He was arrested in the manner shown right here. No doubt all of you recognize the figures of the brave men who personally led the police squad who made the capture. Mm-hmm. On the left, the wax figure of our own Mayor Lewis. Senna, our District Attorney Armstrong. And right, Police Commissioner Weston. Good-looking man. Oh, they're so exactly like they look. Was he really there when Keegan was caught? Sure he was. George Keegan's arrest put an end to the wave of crime and lawlessness that gripped our city for a decade. He is now imprisoned in the state penitentiary for the rest of his natural life. Good, let him run. Gee, the girl in the tableau sure looks lifelike. Yeah. Ask him who she is. Oh, okay. Hey, Cap, who's that girl? I was just coming to that, brother. The little lady seated in the chair was Keegan's gunma, Edna Kelly. Oh. He was with him in the hideout at the time of the raid. News, big news. Hey, look! The wax figure fell off the chair. Now, 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 don't get excited, folks. It's only a wax figure. I'll just set it up again and holy cats! It's it's real! It's a body! A dead body! The dead body of Edna Kelly! Extra, extra, con girl mysteriously murdered, sweetheart of gangster found slain. Read all about the waxworks murder.
Lamont, you do row beautifully, but if you don't pull a trifle harder on the right oar, we'll hit that rock. <laughs> uh, sorry, there we are. A little rusty on my navigation, Margot. This is my first rowboat adventure in the park this spring. I'm really enjoying it. I need a little fresh air and sunshine after that experience at the waxwork yesterday. It was pretty terrible. Why did you happen to go to that place, Margot? Well, I was showing the town to my cousin Jane from upstate. We passed the waxworks museum and she insisted on going in. She had never seen a chamber of horrors. And she saw more horror than she bargained for. Yes, and so did I. Oh, I'll never forget it. Just what was that wax tableau like? It was a set in a replica of a finished room in the house where Keegan was captured. Yes? Figures of Mayor Lewis, District Attorney Armstrong, and Police Commissioner Weston were grouped about Keegan and Edna Kelly. Did anyone notice the figure of the Kelly girl was actually she until it fell from the chair? No. The wax figures were so lifelike that no one would suspect it. I see. Uh, shall I row to the island? Oh, that would be nice. Lamont, who do you think killed Edna Kelly? Well, she was a gunman's girl, always the obvious suspects. Lovers, enemies, or even members of his gang that might be more comfortable with her out of the way. But somehow, I don't think it was either of these. Why, Lamont? Doesn't it strike you that the substitution of the girl's body at the waxwork in such a spectacular fashion might have some deeper significance than the mere bizarre effect? Oh, what do you mean? It must have been the girl's connection with the other people represented in that group that motivated the murderer in bringing her body there. I don't quite understand. If my deductions are correct, the taking of Edna Kelly's life is only the first in a series of vengeful murders. But Lamont, if that's true, isn't there anything that you can do to forestall it? Perhaps. If I only knew a little more. If only I knew where the killer plans to strike next. Surely the Shadow can help find that out. With your help, Margot, perhaps he can. Well, a fine bunch of detectives I've got in this department. You call yourselves a homicide squad? That's a laugh. Commissioner Weston, we've combed this city. Hogan, have you checked on the story of the museum proprietor? Commissioner, you talked to him yourself. Have you verified his statements? Yes, Chief, they're solid. Uh, the murdered entered the Waxworks Museum by a back door. It was found jimmied. After he put Edna Kelly's body in the tableau, he took the wax image of her outside and buried it under some trash in the alley. Did you go over the image for fingerprints, Cordona? Yeah, we did, but couldn't find anything. Tell him about the face. Oh, yeah, Commissioner. Funny thing, the face of the wax dummy had been slashed with a knife across the left cheek. Well, why didn't you tell me that before? You know what that means as well as I do. That's right, it's the mark of a squealer. Yeah, but it couldn't have been any mobster. The probation report shows that Edna Kelly's been going straight ever since Keegan was sent away. 
You ask me, I think it was a lunatic that done it. Oh, yeah. No sane guy would set a girl's body up for an exhibition in that waxworks joint. Ah, uh, looks to me like one of those love things. Some guy carrying the torch for Kelly and I. You're both wrong. It was no lunatic that committed that murder. And Edna Kelly hasn't gone out with anyone since Keegan started his stretch. Then what, Chief? Edna Kelly was murdered for vengeance. By someone who wanted to settle a score with her lover, George Keegan. Keegan can't be reached in the big house, so they take it out on the girl. Oh, what about the mark of the squealer on the face of the wax figure? Well, that ties right in. That was the murderer's way of telling Keegan what he thought of him. Keegan has saved his neck by squealing on a dozen guys. Say, that's yeah, right. That adds up. Of course it's right, Court. Cordona, first thing in the morning, I want you and Hogan to conduct a general roundup of every known enemy of George Keegan. That won't do any good, Commissioner. It's the Shadow. Where is he? Don't trouble to find him. Why are you here, Shadow? To aid you in capturing the murderer of Edna Kelly. What do you know about this case? I know that you shouldn't be wasting your men's time rounding up possible suspects while the real assassin is left free to strike his next blow. Now see here, Shadow, don't you tell me how to run my department. Hold on, Weston. I have every reason to suspect that the placing of the Kelly girl's body in the wax tableau was intended as a warning of other deaths to follow. Other deaths? You think there's going to be more killings? Be quiet, Hogan. Tell me what you mean, Shadow. I mean that the other people represented in the wax tableau are in danger of being killed, too. They are the mayor, the district attorney, and you yourself, Commissioner Weston. <laughs> well, that sounds preposterous. Not at all. My advice is to act quickly. One of you may be, at this moment in imminent peril. Well, come on, Shadow, come on. What possible motive could the murderer for the girl have for wishing to kill us as well? I think it's your... Excuse me. Hello. Mrs. Armstrong, the district attorney's wife, wants to talk to you. Put her on. Hello? Hello? Yes, Mrs. Armstrong. This is Commissioner Weston. Oh, Commissioner, I'm dreadfully worried about John. Why? What's wrong? Shortly after dinner, he went out. He said he might take a walk. Well, several hours passed and he didn't return. I must have fallen asleep, and when I woke up a few minutes ago, he still hasn't come back. Oh, this isn't like John, Commissioner. What time is it now? It's after 2 a.m. Yeah, well... Don't be alarmed, Mrs. Armstrong. He's probably detained somewhere on business. I'll try to locate him for you and call you back. Oh, thank you. The district attorney has disappeared. Disappeared? Say, do you think that... Uh... Well, Commissioner Weston? Do you think, Shadow, that... Yes, Commissioner. I feel that the killer has struck again. No, no, it can't be. If I were you... I would go to the Waxworks Museum at once. You may arrive in time to stop this murderer from completing his monstrous work. Well, here's the Wax Museum, Commissioner Weston. Sergeant, 
Take the man around to guard the back door. Yes, sir. Cordona, does anyone have keys to this place? No, sir. We'll, uh, we'll have to force the lock. Well, all right, then go to it. All right, now put your back into it. Yeah. That door uh, open. Right from over this angle. Come on, Come on show time to waste. Here we go. Here we go. Get uh, that door open now. Uh, all right, now. Where's the light switch? Yeah, never mind that. Use your flashlights. <laughs> hey, it's kind of scary in here, ain't it? Yeah, it gives me the creeps. Hey, what's that? Where? That guy over there. He's got a knife. Yeah, don't, don't shoot, you fool. That's one of the wax dummies. Oh. Now, where's this Keegan tableau? It's right over here, on the left. Ah, so that's it. Well, I guess nothing's happened yet, Chief. Doesn't look like anything's been disturbed. Yeah, that's the wax dummy of District Attorney Armstrong sitting down in the chair. Sitting down? Hey, it seems to me his dummy was standing up last time he was here. What? Give me a lift up on that platform, quick. All right. Yes. You think maybe, uh... I don't know. Flash that light over there. All right. Oh, good heavens. It's Armstrong. Is it really District Attorney Armstrong? Yes. Dead. Murdered. And he was brought here just like the Shadow City. Yes. Just as I said, gentlemen. I'm sorry that I couldn't have warned you earlier. Who did this thing, Shadow? Do you know? Who did it? I'm not sure. But with your cooperation, Commissioner Weston, together, we might bring about his downfall. How? I am positive now that either you or Mayor Lewis is the next victim marked to go. Guard yourselves well. Well, I'll attend to that, all right. You will hear from me soon, Commissioner. When the Shadow finds out who the killer is, he will be brought to justice. The Shadow's adventures continue in just a moment, but first, here's news. Thousands of families in this section of the country are going to enjoy better heat and less cost in their homes this winter. For they stack their bins with the finest American anthracite money can buy, blue coal. Why is blue coal actually better than other kinds of anthracite, Mr. Roberts? Well, blue coal is a medium-free burning hard coal. Its square fracture shape permits more draft and allows every bit of blue coal to be burned up, slowly and steadily, right down to a fine powdery ash. That's why blue coal is so much more economical. It gives you more useful heat. How about the care of the furnace with blue coal as compared to other anthracites, Mr. Roberts? Blue coal requires far less attention. It banks better and gives you much longer firing periods. So homeowners, save money by ordering blue coal from your dealer tomorrow. His name is listed in the where to buy it section of your classified telephone directory under the words blue coal. And ask about Blue Coal's automatic heat regulator. It's a thermostat which controls your furnace dampers automatically so that those at home can keep the house at the exact temperature they wish during the day by simply setting the thermostat control. A Blue Coal heat regulator costs about $18.95 plus a small installation charge. It will pay for itself in the time, trouble, and amount of fuel it saves you.
I think it's quite evident now, Margot, even to Commissioner Weston, that the killer's aim to do away with everyone connected with that tableau. Then Lamont, you mean the mayor, the commissioner, and Keegan? They're the only ones left. Exactly. Let me see. I should take a right turn here. Lamont, do you believe these murders are the work of a madman? Not at all. I think that whoever's behind this is quite sane, Margot. Quite sane. What makes you say that? There's some important civic figures in that group. Their removal would be highly advantageous to a political rival. But surely political rivalry wouldn't be sufficient motive for these horrible crimes. I wonder. And besides, the girl, Edna Kelly, how'd she fit into that picture? That's what we're driving up here to find out. Ah, there's the prison now. (laughs) Cheerful looking spot. I'll drive you up to the gate and let you out. I shan't go in with you. Why not? Now, the warden, Mr. Driscoll, has never been a particular admirer of mine, a feeling which I have reciprocated. Why, Lamont? Well, I had occasion to expose the graft-ridden conditions in this prison a few years ago. Naturally, that didn't make me too popular with Mr. Driscoll. Oh. Here we are. Now remember what I told you? I think so. I'm a reporter from the Daily Globe. I'm to ask for an interview with Edna Kelly's sweetheart, Keegan. And when I see him, I'll try to... Please tell me something, Mr. Keegan. The readers of the Daily Globe have sent thousands of letters expressing their interest in your reaction to the tragic death of Miss Kelly. I ain't got nothing to say about that. Do you believe that the killing was executed by one of your enemies? I wouldn't know. You you loved Edna Kelly, didn't you? Hey, what are you giving out with the Lonely Hearts column? <laughs> no, no. You lay you off that love stuff. But Mr. Keegan, I was sent up here by my paper to get a human interest story from you, and after all... Well, you were fond of Miss Kelly. She was your girl. My girl? Oh, no, no. But I... I'll tell you what Edna Kelly was, the same as any other dame, see? She was a double-crosser. But I thought you... No! Wait wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I didn't mean that. You don't write nothing like I just said there. I, I get a little screwy sometimes when I think about what happened. Of course. I understand. So, uh, just don't write nothing, will ya? Well, no. No, but what about this theory that she was slain by one of your enemies, Mr. Keegan? I wouldn't know. I tell you, Lamont, he flared up so suddenly when I asked him if he really loved her, I was scared to death. He called her a double-crosser, eh? Yeah, he regretted in that next second. He asked me to be sure and not write anything about it. That's most interesting, Margot. And thank you for your excellent work. But has what I told you helped you unravel anything? Greatly. Well, what happens now? I think that there are many more interesting facts to be learned there at that prison. Yes? This evening, the Shadow shall pay a call on his old friend... Warden Driscoll.
Oh, man. Uh, can I see you for a minute, Warden? What's the trouble, Carrie? Well, it's about Keegan. Yeah? What about him? Well, I, I put him in solitary like you told me. Yes, yes. Well, well, that was this morning I done that. Carrie, what are you trying to tell me? Well, uh, he, he ain't ate no food for the last three meals. So? So I, I, was, I, I was just wondering if something should be done to make him eat, you know? He just, he just lays quiet in his bunk. I thought I told you no one was to go near Keegan's cell without my orders. Well, I thought if he wasn't eaten that we could... Uh... Harry, if you would just perform your duties as guard around here and let the warden do the thinking, everything would be satisfactory. Oh, yeah, sure, sure warden, sure. And leave Keegan alone. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, y yes, yes, sir. Uh, good night, warden. Close that door after you. Yes, sir. Fool. Hello? Yes? Oh, yes, Mary. Did he get away all right? Good. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, get him back here before daylight, no matter what happens. Yeah. Okay. Tell him I hope he does, uh, a good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Goodbye. <laughs> You seem to be quite amused, Warden Driscoll. What? Huh? Who's that? Won't you share your little joke with me? Carrie, are you outside the door? Is that you talking? Carrie is if... Not Carrie. Well, who are you? I am the Shadow. The Shadow? Yes, Warden. Well, why are you here? What do you want with me? I came in when Carrie left. I overheard your phone conversation, Driscoll. It was very interesting. Really? Yes. I'm more than curious to know who you were talking about. Now listen, Shadow. What business have you done? Just... It wouldn't have been George Keegan. Oh, now see here. I've had enough of this. Wait, Warden. I wouldn't advise you leave unless we finished our conversation. Well, what are you after, Shadow? I am seeking the murderer of Edna Kelly and the District Attorney Armstrong. Why look here? Because this is where he is to be found. What do you mean? George Keegan. Keegan? That's preposterous. How can a man in prison for the rest of his life suddenly commit two murders in a city 50 miles away? Very simple, Warden. He'd just go there. Are you inferring Keegan has escaped? Oh, no. Nothing as crude as that. But if he were allowed to, shall we say, take on a leave of absence for the night? Keegan has never left these buildings. Where is he now? In his cell. Oh, no, he isn't. I investigated before I came here. His cell is empty. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, yes, that's right. I, uh, I forgot. Uh, he's in solitary confinement. You mean his cot is stuffed with pillows to make it appear he were in solitary confinement? Uh, that's not true. I'll tell you where George Keegan is. He's on his way to the city right now to add another link to his chain of cold-blooded murders. He's gone there with your full knowledge and consent. No, no. It would be a great political advantage for you to have the District Attorney Armstrong, Mayor Lewis, and Commissioner Weston out of the way, wouldn't it, Warden? Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. It's an easy thing to prey upon the susceptible jealousies of a man like Keegan. 
until you've goaded him into carrying out your evil wishes. You can never prove what you're saying. I haven't time to right now, Warden. The lives of the mayor and the commissioner are at stake. And if I'm not able to stop Keegan, I shall present more than enough proof necessary to implicate you to the district attorney's office in the morning. So you better think hard and fast, Warden Driscoll. Margot Lane, calling Margot Lane. Telephone Police Commissioner Weston immediately. There's no time to lose. Tell him that tonight both he and the mayor are in great danger. Even now it might be too late. They do have time to follow my instructions. Tell them that they must follow my instructions. All right, Mr. Mayor. Stay sitting at that desk and keep your back to me. I got a gun here. Don't turn around, just listen. I'm George Keegan. You remember me? You was one of the heroes that made the pinch when I was picked up. You must remember. Why, they even got a little statue of you and me down at the Wax Museum. Now do you know? You'd better know, Mr. Mayor, because I'm sending you down personally to take the statue's place. Well, <laughs> why don't you say something? You scared to talk? Where's all that fancy gab that you hand out at banquets and meetings? Come on, speak up. Come on, what's the matter with you? Speak up, will ya? All right then, you'll get yours just the same. <laughs> Looks like I brought about a special election. Now, Mr. Mayor, I'll just take this corpse of yours down to the museum and... Hey, what is this? This ain't nobody. A dummy, a plant. <laughs> You've gotten your targets mixed, haven't you, Keegan? Who's that? Aren't you surprised to find yourself shooting at a wax dummy? Come on out in the open. Who are you? I'm right here with you. I am your shadow. Come on, can that phony talk? What are you, a copper? No, just your personal nemesis, Keegan. Now I'd advise you to drop that gun. Not a chance! Close in on him, Commissioner Winston. Boys, open your hands, Keegan. Get that gun away from here. Thank you, Shadow. You guys ain't got nothing on me. How did you get out of jail, Keegan? I flew out the window. With the help of Warden Driscoll. Is this true? Did Driscoll aid you in these crimes? Driscoll? Driscoll wasn't in on Well, it. who's that? I see you caught him. Uh, <clears throat> good work, Commissioner. Well, hello, Warden Driscoll. What brings you here? This man, Keegan, escaped from my prison tonight. I learned that his purpose in leaving was to make good a threat he made on the life of our mayor. Hey, what is this baloney you're throwing out, Warden? Quiet, you. I've just learned that this isn't the first time he's got out, either. A very good story, Warden. Only I think that George Keegan could tell us a different one. Shadow, you're here? Yes. And I kind of expected you'd come too, Warden. What's this all about, Shadow? 
Perhaps Keegan can explain that to you, Commissioner. How about that? Hey, listen, I ain't no squealer, see? But that warden ain't telling the truth. Not one bit. That's all I gotta say. Uh, hey, Commissioner, what is this all about? Am I being placed under suspicion here with a testimony of a shadow? Just a minute, Warden. What are you holding back, Keegan? I can answer that for you, Commissioner Weston. Keegan is shielding the Warden as the real instigator of the waxwork murders. That's a lie. He wanted you out of the way, Commissioner, so he employed Keegan as his instrument of murder. Don't listen to him! Go on, Shadow. But first, he had to give Keegan sufficient incentive to perform these crimes, so he went to work on his emotions, his jealousy. How? He told Keegan that his girl, Edna Kelly, had been double-crossing him right along. Keegan, this was a lie. Huh? What do you mean? She, she was on the level? Absolutely, Keegan. Why, Driscoll, you dirty son oh, Look out, he's got a gun! S- someone grab him! Oh. Hey, duck! Oh. Oh. Go on! Go on, roll in pain! Just like Edna done before she died. That's right. Try to talk. That's what she done, too. And I laughed at her. I laughed at her. I laughed at her. That's what I did. Take him away. Driscoll is dead, Commissioner. Well, perhaps that's for the best. Oh, Shadow, are you still here? Yes, Commissioner. I want to thank you heartily for this nice work. I seek no credit, Commissioner. However, I have a suggestion for you. Why, what's that? If the Wax Museum decides to create a new tableau depicting this present event, it might be wise for you to arrange to be excluded from it. It gives people ideas. Before the shadow returns, here's John Barkley, Blue Coal's heating expert, with some helpful hints on the firing and care of your furnace. Mr. Barkley. Well, thank you, Ken Roberts, and good evening, friends. Many people use ashes when they bank their furnace fires. That's an old-fashioned practice that can cause plenty of trouble, besides giving you unsatisfactory heat. Ashes thrown on top of a cold fire act like a wet blanket. They prevent air from coming up through the fire bed, overheat the grate, and cause a solid mass of clinkers. Remember, the only place for ashes in the furnace is the ash bin. Always bank your fire with fresh coals. If you have any particular heating problems, get in touch with your blue coal dealer. Ask him to send a John Barkley serviceman to inspect and check over your furnace. These men are expertly trained to solve your heating problems and they'll show you how to get better heating results from your furnace at no obligation on your part. I thank you. You have been listening to one of the dramatized versions of one of the many copyrighted stories which appear in the Shadow Magazine. You're tuned into Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is all things horror on Tuesday Terrors.
Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day. Or find Tuesday Terrors in your favorite podcast players. The Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.